Day 11, Psalm 119. All right, we are in verse 25. I'm not going to go quite as verse by verse as I did with the first couple of sec uh, sections of it. I might. I just am not going to hold myself to that very religiously. I'm going to give myself some freedom and some flexibility because <clears throat> he's saying a lot of stuff over and over. Let's jump in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word brings life. It is truth. It is a light, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Uh, Lord, I pray that you be in this time. You're forever glorified. You're forever exalted. In Christ's name, amen. Psalm 119, 25. Oh, let me just talk about what, so we did verses 1 through 24 yesterday. And I think, I forgot to give these overviews, but I mentioned all of these things yesterday. So I think the big idea for the first 24 verses is learning God's law is the same as learning God. And if you want to know God, you need to learn God's ways, God's rules, God's precepts. A huge takeaway. I'll say it again. Learning God's law is learning God. If you want to know God, learn his ways, learn his word, learn his law, learn his precepts. And then another like, key theme is discipline is key David meditated on God's word day and night day and night David memorized God's word he said it aloud over and over he committed himself to the practice of knowing God's word which meant for him that he was committing himself to the practice of knowing God in what ways are we committing ourselves to the practice of knowing God we say God I want to know you God I want to know you God I want to know you but do we know God's word? I'm going to champion that. I, I'll die on that hill. Biblical literacy. Somebody told me that people didn't need to be biblically uh, literate anymore because if they needed a scripture or something, they could just look it up on Google. And I was, was like, well, A of all, how do you even know what to look up if you don't have any biblical literacy? literacy? And B of all, Google might not be around if this economy economy collapses and we all out here like it's the Hunger Games. You're going to have to have your word hidden in your heart. So that's a, a pretty unlikely thing to happen, but it could happen. So in the case of a future zombie apocalypse or what have you, it's good to have God's word hidden in your heart because there may not be Google. All right. I also think it was interesting that David said that he didn't do it perfectly. Like in verse five, he was like, I wish I was like those that kept your law all the time. Or um, I wish I could be like the perfect people who never stray from your word. I don't know if those people actually existed or David was just using artistic license. But nobody can do it perfectly. None of us. None of us can do it perfectly. But that didn't mean he didn't do it substantively. He committed himself to it. He's not going to be like, well, I'm not going to be perfect, so I may, as well, I may as well not try. I may as well just halfway do something. No, he committed to it substantively. Where do you think he got the inspiration and the content for all them songs that we still sing in today? People, the songs that David wrote, we are still singing to this day. We might put a different beat, a different rhythm, a different... Um, melody to it but we still singing his songs over and over and over and over like he was anointed 
And part of the reason was because he was in God's word. Another thing that I thought was interesting is, um, like in verse 18, he was talking about opening his eyes so that he would understand. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your law. Now, what I'm thinking he's talking about is my understanding is darkened because I'm, I'm a human. And there are some things that may not seem wonderful. Or I might be missing the wonderful parts in your word in some places. So open my understanding so I can see how wonderful they really are. I think it's dope. All right, moving on. Uh, verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. All right, so this is David. is starting. He's He started talking about the people who were pursuing him, um, the insolent, accursed ones who wandered from his commands, the ones that scorn him and contempt him, and the princes that sit up and plot, plot against him. He's getting ready to get in that a little bit more and how he's feeling about that a little bit more. So verse 25, he's basically saying, I'm discouraged, but he's using a really like beautiful way to put it. My soul clings to the dust. My soul is literally as low as it can get. I guess figuratively, not literally. My soul is figuratively as low as it can get. Give me life according to your word. So on one hand, that could mean Lord, teach me your words so that I can be revived in my spirit. Or it could mean the promises that you've made in your word to be, to bless those that have been faithful. Do that. It could be either one of those. I'm not sure what his, his meaning is, but I think either one can can apply from David because David would be like, Lord, you promised this and I'm sad. So do your promise and we'll hear more, more of that later. All right, verse 26, when I told him my ways, you answered me, teach me your statutes. 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Make my mind more like yours so I can understand your ways so that when I'm meditating on them, it's a delight. I mean, cool. I think we all know that meditating on God's word can be kind of like laborious. So like, as God is making our mind more like his, it becomes more and more enjoyable. It comes, it becomes sweeter. But even in that process, there's going to be times where we're just like, this is not super. I'm not feeling super awesome about this. It feels rote. It feels mechanical. It, there should be rivers and springs springing up. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's not. But I think Dave, David's plea for God to make his mind more like God's so that he can meditate on how wondrous the works of God are. I think that's right on. Good job, David. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Despair. When I'm in despair, things are hard. People are chasing me. I, ever since, you know, I got anointed to be king of Israel and I was out there with the lions and the bears wrestling them to save my dad's sheep. My life has been hard. I've had some awesome things happen, but it's also been really, really tough. And I'm despairing right now. And only your word can save me. Only your word can save me. I love it. 29. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your your law. The more I know your law, the more I can model my life after you. I won't be like those I see. I'll just be like you. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. 
The more I know your law, the more I can model my life after you. I won't be like those that I see. I'll just be like you. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I'm faithful to you, so be faithful to me. David does this a lot, and you'll see this in the coming verses. He'll be like, God, I've been faithful. Why don't you go ahead and do the same thing? Return the favor. Verse 31, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. Your word is what I built my life on. I'm hoping in that. Are you going to be who you say that you will? I built my life on faithfulness to you. I cling to your word. I'm meditating on it day and night. I cling to every, I mean, I'm building my life and my hope on your word. Don't let my enemies win over me. Rescue me. I've been faithful. Come and get me. I'm your kid. Verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. When you increase my capacity for you, when you increase my capacity for your word, I'm running in that direction. I mean, when you increase my love for your word, when you increase my understanding of your word, I'm taking off running towards that way. I'm going to model my life. I'm going, all my choices, they're going to be pursuing, like I'm just, the road that I'm on, it's going to be the road that your road, that your word is leading me on. David be making some big promises. I love it. I mean, it's beautiful language. But he just, he be going in. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Promises, promises. Do y'all remember 3LW? Um, they were like a girl group in the early 2000s. And the they had a song that was like, I'm getting sick and tired of your broken promises, promises. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now, but that's just what I thought of. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. I think that it's great to have that as an aim or as a goal. I just think that we got to be careful when we're making promises like that to God. Because we talked about that a few days ago. We were like, God, I swear. Um, or maybe we didn't talk about that. But it happens a lot. We say, Lord, do this and I'll do this forever. Lord, do this thing and I'll do this other thing forever and ever and ever. And I'll never stray from it. I promise, I promise, I promise. And then we just can't keep our promises because we're not God. I just, I would just say, be careful with stuff like that. David is David, but I say for us, be careful. Verse 34, but it's good to have that as a goal. You know what I'm saying? It's good to have as a goal that I'm going to obey you, Lord, for the rest of my life. But I just say, don't go off the deep end making promises like that to God. Verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. And this is another appeal to see things the way that God does. And when you understand something, you're more able to carry it out. Have y'all seen that in your lives? Like when you're playing a, a game or something, like you're not super into it at first. And then once you learn it, you're like, oh, yeah, I can actually do this. I started playing this really super nerdy strategy game. And it's nerdy. It's okay. I'm a nerd. I live into that. But I can also identify when things are nerdy. I'm not trying to offend anybody. If this is your favorite game, if you wrote the game and you're having, you happen to be listening to the podcast, I apologize if this is offending you. But the game is nerdy. It's a game called Pandemic. 
Y'all ever played Pandemic? Nerd. It's about um, you and the... So the people that are playing... Tangent. Here we go. People that are playing the game are have a quest to keep this disease or these diseases from sweeping the world and killing the entire population. You got to keep them from having outbreaks. And there's a bunch of different... It just is a nerdy game. It's a nerdy strategy game. But when you first started, there's so many rules. Like, it, you just are kind of going through the motions, referring back to the instructions to see, oh, am I doing this right? Having to do stuff over because you didn't do it right the first time. And then once you get a couple games under your belt, it's like you're really playing it. And you're like, okay, yeah. And then after you have a few games under your belt, that's when the real enjoyment comes. You you get super into discussing strategy with your with your with your playmates, with your friends, and saying, well, I think that if you have the dispatcher card, then you should, or if you have the contingency plan card, then you need to make sure that I get to Beirut before that you go to, and and it gets so nerdy, but you're having a great time. It's because you've learned how the game works and you understand it. You don't have to keep referring back to the instructions. There's a fluidity, a fluency that comes once you understand something, it's the same thing with God's word. Like David is saying in verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. I'm wholeheartedly going to pursue you, God. The, the more that I understand you, the more that I understand your law, the better I can pursue you. And I know that I can't do the work of enlarging my own heart. I know that you've got to do it for me. I can join you in that work, but you're doing the work of drawing me to you. Okay, keep it going. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. This is making me thinking about like our selfish inclinations and our godly inclinations. Like which ones are natural and which ones are learned? Are they both learned? Are they both in their natural, naturally somehow like our spiritual inclinations to seek God and to seek his word? I think it might be a little bit of both, but I think David's got it right again. True motivation for knowing God's word comes from God. True motivation for knowing God's word comes from God. I'll say it again. True motivation for knowing God and knowing God's word comes from God. Verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. I This is cool. Um, I think it feels really applicable for us today because there's so many worthless things to take our attention. And I just was wondering what was worth What was considered worthless in Bible days? Because in my mind, I thought all they had to do was work and then go to the temple excuse me, and worship. What was worth? What else were they watching? I don't know. That's just a side note. But made me think about well, what did David consider worthless? Is this something that we consider valuable? Anyway, moving on. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Lord, you doing the miraculous stuff serves only to make your name great. So go on ahead and work your miracles. That's what he's saying. Confirm to your servant your promise. You've promised big things in your word. Big, big promises. Act on them. And I'll give your name to praise. The glory goes to you. The glory goes to God. David is just like, I don't know why if anybody else finds this funny or interesting, but I just feel like David is just like, I mean, you said you was going to do this, so I'm just here. I didn't say, I didn't make it up. You, it's in your word. So I'm here waiting on you to do what you said you would do. 
That's just how I imagine David's voice in that section of the Psalms. 39, turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. He's still talking about those, um, the scorn from those who don't keep his word, that they don't te- that don't keep God's word. He's still worried about them. He's tired of them. He's waiting. The miraculous thing that he's waiting for is to be delivered from them uh, so that they wouldn't continuously taunt him or lie on him or plot against him. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness give me life and that's it I mean that's all we're gonna read through for today but I to have this heart is something that I really really aspire to attain to have this heart for God's word and I think that understanding that knowing God's word is and having it like sink in deep is like knowing God is and I'm not saying just memorizing for the sake of memorizing scripture uh, but really knowing God's word like knowing in a biblical sense not really but knowing and applying it knowing it and hiding it in your heart knowing it and reverencing it I I just feel like that can be how we learn God, how we come to know God, an avenue by which we come to know God. Um, and I just think that that's incredible. All right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, send in thoughts, comments, pushback. Oh, I have a Kairos. Okay, so this Kairos is from Kyra Fontaine. She's a year-long chat resident. If you don't know her, you should get to know her. She's so sweet. She's one of my favorites. I'm going to abridge this, Kyra, because it was a long email. But she was saying that she was talking to a friend, and the friend was feeling really frustrated because she feels alone. She's been dealing with anxiety and depression, She's been feeling like she's alone and that God is far away. And that's all mixed up with making your own mistakes, poor choices that make you feel unworthy of God's grace and mercy. Sound familiar? This feels like most of us go through this. So Kyra was listening to her friend. This is Bestie. So when your bestie's hurt, you're hurt. And Kyra just was saying that she ain't, like everything she said wasn't really seeming to make a difference. And then, um, she was journaling, uh, like in our, you know, and praying through this. And she said she realized that it's not her job to fix her friend's problems because she can't. God is the one who saves. God is the one who redeems. God is the one who takes our pain away. She figured that the best way she can serve her friend is to pray for her when she feels like she can't pray for herself. She started asking God how she can encourage her during the time. And this verse came to her. She read Hebrews four fifteen and 16. We don't have a high priest, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God knows our weaknesses, and yet he still lets us run. It's the thing, the high priest knows our weaknesses, but still says, come boldly. That's good. 
The high priest knows how messed up, jacked up we are. He knows that we're failing all the time. And he still says, come running. Come running. You can find safety here. Come to God's grace, throne of grace. The throne that God is sitting on is that of grace. You know, y'all ever seen Game of Thrones? I don't recommend it. But if they have like the throne that they have is like a throne of spears, the the iron throne. It is like a throne of whatever spikes. But God's throne is a throne of grace. And we can come boldly with confidence before that throne. And it's just good. And then um, fast forward. She was saying that uh, she heard a sermon from Derek Mondu. And he started talking about shame and the idea that we believe, believe that we are wrong and unworthy of love and belonging. And it erodes our identity, our human identity. But when we find ourselves in Christ, we rid ourselves of shame because our identity is now found in Jesus Christ. God gets the glory and we find true belonging. So that just is a word that um, went to encourage her. But y'all, God is speaking. God is moving. God's always been speaking. But we're hearing that be encouraged. Be encouraged. God wants to speak. God wants to strengthen your heart, encourage you. It's real, you guys. It's totally real. Sending your moments of hearing God's voice so I can share them on the air, which is not really on the air. I'm on a podcast, but send them in. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your thank you that you speak to us, that you love us, and you know how imperfect and trifling and lazy and obsessive and controlling and weak and afraid and scared and lonely and anxious and worried and depressed and prideful we are. Yet you still said, come to me with your head held high. Come to me with confidence. Come to me knowing that you're coming to your dad, that you belong here with me. That's good. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you. There's no God like you. Nowhere. Nowhere. No one can even come close to just doing things as well as you do. There isn't a single being ever. We can't make this stuff up. You're so good. We love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.